Happy 4th of July, celebrating Independence Day. I just remind myself on this kind of day that in the kingdom it's called Interdependence Day. Right? We never need our independence from the Lord. We need interdependence on Him. So how many of you were not here last Sunday? Not here. Okay. Just a handful of you. Um, Well, I want to point us back to last Sunday, some things that had happened. We had Joshua Todd come in, and he shared and he ministered. We were literally here to about 345 uh, last week as he was ministering to people personally. Um, But I want to point back to something that happened in the service. Josh touched on it a little bit, but I have felt in my spirit this past week the Lord is really um, giving Heart of the Father a new beginning. I've spent time this week, probably more than ever as I prepare a message, just sitting in silence, seeking the Lord. Lord, what does that mean? Because we can say that and we can kind of get excited and, and try to make it a big, a big deal. And this morning, I actually, I want to share some of these things, but I don't want to make it a big deal, as in make it emotionally and get you all hyped, and then next week we forget about it and we're moving on to the next thing. That if the Lord is really doing uh, creating a new beginning at Heart of the Father, that he will do it by stirring your spirit. That I don't have to go up here and do some type of circus act and get, get us all riled up and just try to, I don't know, get the balloons of confetti and pop it up and do all that stuff. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to kind of reserve myself. I'm already that way anyway, so I'll get a scapegoat. But I want the Holy Spirit to really do this in our body. And last week during worship, on the back end of it, I came up and I read Joshua 1 and talked about a new beginning here happening here at Heart of the Father. And I felt, this is probably the strongest in my spirit, I've felt this before, I really felt that in my spirit. And even as I had to stand up and we all took a step forward, I felt there was, and I was talking to Derek, he said he felt like there was a prophetic grace released to us for a new beginning. Now, you have to do your part and catch hold of it. I can't do that for you. So I'm just going to be putting language out this morning. I'm not going to define every little thing and what it all looks like because it's okay for us to say we don't really know what it looks like. I'm not talking about us uh, rewriting the vision here, giving us a name change. It's not that. There's just something in the spirit realm last week I felt like we really connected with. We really like locked in with the Lord in a new way. And I believe that he is going to breathe upon us a new beginning. Not just corporately, but even individually. Think about your own personal life and walk with the Lord. What does that look like? Let's pray. Father, we're here before you, your people. We thank you that you have declared your name over us. That you have declared your purposes over us. And we gather this morning as your church and we turn our ear to you. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to us by the Holy Spirit. That you would unify our hearts, that you would unify our minds. 
that we as a family would step into this new beginning. Lord, that you are re-identifying us in the spirit. You are declaring a new thing. You are blowing a fresh wind our way. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to tell you where we're going to end at this morning. At the end of the message, we're going to kind of jump into a prayer meeting. We're not going to do the prayer circles. Um, I'm going to invite us all to pray, and we're going to seek the Lord about a new beginning here. Um, because I don't, don't, I don't want this just to be my words. I want you to pray about it. I want you to seek the Lord about it. And so I'm going to open up the mic. We're going to pray for a little bit. If you feel like you have been called here, if you're a part of this body, then I'm going to open up the microphone to you to where you can help us pray corporately to shift us into this, okay? This is not going to be just one person who does all the work and, and everyone just watches, Amen? Okay, so as I'm sharing some things, I want you to allow the Lord to speak to your heart, to stir your heart for what does it look like corporately for us to step into this. So this is less, this new beginning for us, I believe it's less about the Lord delivering us from the past and more about him delivering us into our future and into our corporate destiny. I'm going to say it again, and as I say it again, even apply it to your personal life. This is less about the Lord delivering us from the past and how, how things used to be and how we used to do things, and more about him taking a people, placing us in, our, in his hands, and him delivering us into our future, into our corporate destiny. So this is a work that only God can do. We can run around here and get excited and, and do all, throw some parties and do whatever. But I believe this is more about the Lord pushing and moving us forward than about the past. Does that make sense? So I feel like we are going to begin stepping into part of our regional purpose as a local church. We're going to really start stepping into these things. One of the phrases that, um, actually, I won't get into that yet. I actually want to do this. So I was actually emailing Marie. Did I drop a paper? I was, here it is. I was emailing Marie Jenkins. How many of y'all love Marie? Chuck and Marie. (laughs) So I emailed her and just asked her, I said, Marie, would you pray about this? And I want to hear your thoughts on this, this phrase, new beginning. What does this look like? And just asked her some questions, and she responded to me, and I asked her if I could quote her on something, but I'm actually going to read the whole email. Sorry, Marie. So good. I felt like this, it really helped me to get even more clarity, but here's what she had to say. She said, I believe the new beginnings word is definitely from the Lord. Oftentimes, he does not give us an immediate interpretation or definition of what he says to us. He may be looking for our response, and will we take that word and begin to pray into it? I think some of the words from the Lord lie dormant because we don't pray over them and wait for the Lord to reveal the true meaning or the manifestation of the word. I am thinking... 
the New Beginnings Word is something we need to pray into and wait for the Lord to unfold his plan. Every word the Lord gives has a plan and power behind it. The question is, will we pursue it? Will we pray and wait and expect? Will we treat his word with reverence and importance or just forget it? So there must be a corporate response to what the Lord is saying by the Holy Spirit. There must be a corporate response to what we believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us. In Isaiah 43, and there's, I'm, that's only half the email. We're, we're, we'll get there. Isaiah 43, verse 18, the Lord says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. Now this is the, a strong messianic prophecy about the coming of Jesus and that he's doing a new thing. But there's a principle in here. The Lord loves to do a new thing. And he's speaking it forth and he's doing it in this moment. But if you, go, if you move a couple verses down, the Lord says, But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have been weary of me, Israel. So the Lord says, I'm going to do a new thing, whether you're on board or not. I'm going to do it. But just so you know, when I was doing a new thing, you didn't seek me. You didn't respond to me. You actually got weary of me. You've heard so many words about this and that and this and that, that I really spoke something and it was just kind of, I've heard this before. It won't really be a new thing. It'll just kind of be a repeat. But the Lord is saying, no, I, I'm speaking to you, and I want you to respond. And so that's why at the end of the service, we are going to corporately pray into this because there needs to be a corporate response to this. She goes on to say this as well. This is just kind of a side piece she put in there. I really love it. She said, I did feel that some of the new beginnings has to do with worship. Since the release of the album, it seems that we have begun to move deeper in worship. There was a time during the worship Sunday when I felt as if we had joined the saints in heaven and were worshiping with them before the throne. There was a time of what seemed to be very pure worship that was truly all for the Lord, and we were not doing it for an emotional hype for ourselves. It was a very holy time. For me, a new beginning signifies a deeper, richer walk with the Lord. It could also say, don't get stuck in the routines of what we have always done in the past. Be open to new moves of the Holy Spirit. Give the Holy Spirit even more liberty. Be willing to lay down the ways we have always done things in the past. You guys have ears to hear this morning? The Lord is gentle and kind. He may lead us slowly into changes. A caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly overnight. But as we demonstrate our eagerness to follow him and embrace changes, I would expect him to pour out upon us his new beginning. We're almost there to the end, but I want to insert some words here. There needs to be an eagerness in our hearts, but also we need to be willing to embrace Change. Everyone say change. change. 
When God wants to do a new thing, that means he's going to change some things. So my question is, are you, are we willing to release more control to the Lord? God wants to do something new. That means it's going to require more trust on our hearts. That means we actually have to release more control. We amen, we say yes now, but are we going to do that? How much control are we really going to give the Lord? How much control corporately are we going to give to the Lord? Because it's easy to say, Lord, in our own prayer closet, Lord, I give you control. I give you everything. I trust you, Jesus. But then we get in a corporate setting. Now we actually have to trust on leaders. We have to trust on one another that they're actually being led by the Lord. Because when you're walking with the Lord in an individual way, it's just you and the Lord, then you, all you can say is, God, I just trust you, I love you, and it's fine. But when you step into a body of believers where you're supposed to be, you can't just say, God, I trust you. You have to say, Dave, I trust you. Jonathan, I trust you. You actually have to look to one another and trust the Christ in them. It's so easy to say, God, I trust you, Jesus. Well, do I trust the Jesus living inside of you? Many churches get stale because they stop welcoming the power and revelations that the Spirit wants to pour out. We are living in a time when we must keep up with God and allow him to bend us in whatever direction he desires. I believe souls are at stake. People must begin to turn to God, and the believers must get serious about having clean hands and a pure heart. I have seen words spoken over churches in the past, and that particular word is still lying dormant because it was nice for the moment, but never prayed into manifestation, nor did the people prepare themselves to be a part of it. Basically, they just went back to sleep. One of the enemies, I believe, to a new beginning here at Heart of the Father has to do with us grabbing hold of courage. We have to grab hold of courage because here's what's happening, here's what I'm seeing, is there, there is a, a weariness, a tiredness, a feebleness in our spirit. That we, our, our inner man sometimes gets a little tired, gets a little weary. We get tired of fighting, in other words. But the Lord wants to strengthen our inner man. He wants to bring courage into our spirit. We cannot go to sleep. I have no intentions on going to sleep. I have no intentions on just going back to business as usual, doing the norm. I want to live a life of preparation and waiting for the Lord and seeking his face. Are we going to do that as a people? I'm going to do it, but my heart's desire is that that as a people, we would be prepared to meet the Lord. The Lord's even been speaking to me. Some of my notes are kind of all over the place today, guys, so I'm just kind of shooting out there. Hopefully it lands somewhere. 
But the Lord has been speaking to me about how in our culture, part of the American Christian focused on preparing fist on our calling. We get so focused on preparing for our calling. And, and I get that. I want to prepare for some of the things God has called me to do. But what the Lord's been speaking to me about is, Brandon, I want you be, to be more prepared to meet me. Brandon, don't give yourself to just preparing for your calling, to be a, a, a public communicator, to be an orator. Don't give all of yourself to doing that. No, no. Give yourself to preparation of, to meeting the Lord. So in your walk with the Lord, how much time do you spend prepare, preparing for your calling versus preparing to meet the Lord? I mean, I've done that over the years. I get more connected with men. I have to try to impress people. I've got to be a great communicator. I've got to do all this stuff. And, and, yes, I'm still going to seek that. I'm still going to give, you know, some attention to growing as a leader, to, uh, to growing as a son. I'm going to do that. But to be honest with you, I'm going to give more of my life preparing to meet the Lord. And if that means I'm a poor communicator, I'm, a, I'm not good at this or good at that or, or whatever, I'm okay with that. Because when I stand before him, that's going to be rubbish. That's going to be dung. But we need to be a people who are preparing to meet the Lord more than we're preparing for our calling. Where was I at here? Yeah, basically, they just went back to sleep. We do not want to be found slumbering as a church. New beginnings, to me, always means to move forward, to press on. Don't sit down and be content with where you are. There's a lot of wisdom in what Marie was saying in that email. So the Lord is looking for a corporate response. He's also looking for a personal response. Just throwing some, some things out there. So my wife and I, we're going to go. We've, we've been planning to go on a colon and liver cleanse. So we're going to be taking these pills, eating these fruits, and just help us, Lord. <laughs> six days for the colon, six days for the liver. Some of you, it may be a health thing. Your new beginning may be your health. So we're going to jump into that, be praying for me. I've never done it before. I don't know what's going to happen. But the Lord needs to speak to you. There's a brother. His name is Tom Rayner. He is a, what they call a church counselor. And he helps churches. If churches have become stagnant, um, he helps them to, you know, find new ways for growth if churches are, like, sinking and not doing well, he'll get in there and try to help find solutions. He's been, he's been doing it over 25 years. And he wrote a book called Aut Autopsy of a Deceased Church. <clears throat> in other words, a church that's either dead currently or on its way to becoming dead. And I read this a couple months ago, and he has about 12 things that you'll find in a deceased church. And he lists those out, and you'll find those in varying degrees within a church. But 
in the introduction, he said there's one thing he will always find in a church that's on its way to dying or that's currently dead. Here's what he says. The most per- pervasive and common thread of our autopsies was that the deceased church lived for, the, for a long time with the past as its hero. They held on more tightly with each progressive year. They often clung to things of the past with desperation and fear. And when any internal or external force tried to change the past, they responded with anger and resentment. We will die before we change, they said, and they did. Hear me clearly. These churches were not hanging on to biblical truths. They were not clinging to clear Christian morality. They were not fighting for primary doctrines or secondary doctrines. As a matter of fact, they were not fighting for doctrines at all. They were fighting for the past, the good old days, the way it used to be. In my heart, in no way do I believe we are a stale, dying church. I don't believe that. But there's something he said that I feel like we need to grab hold of. Is that we have to embrace change. We have to be willing to embrace change. And this morning, I want to speak in a way to where our hearts really begin to turn to do that. Because I can't force you to do this. I can't make you do this. But I just want to be a faithful witness, a faithful messenger that I really believe by the Spirit of the Lord, he is doing this. He is speaking to us. And we have to Catch hold of this. He started it last week, and we have to make a turn with him. So I want to elaborate just a little bit on this new beginning. What, what I sense in my heart, this is this, what I'm talking about here. So last week as we were, um, as Josh was ministering, and I was seeking the Lord. Um, um, I was seeking the Lord. <laughs> I was Mason. Uh, my wife and I, side note, we're going to, uh, our friends are out in Mountain Dora. They have a lake house. And I asked Mason to bring me some fishing poles. And he literally just brought them to the door and was like, Dude. <laughs> Mason, what? Come on, man. I don't need them now after the service. <laughs> Somebody pray for that man. <laughs> anyway, so last week, back to the story. Here we go. Last week, Holy Spirit, come back. Um, I'm, see, I'm just asking the Lord, Lord, what does this new beginning look like? Help me, give me some language to this. And I felt like I saw the name Heart of the Father, and I felt like I saw it in a new light. And what I saw was a phrase, and it said this. The passion of the Father. And I felt the Holy Spirit just tell me, Brandon, I am moving heart of the Father into the passion of the Father. That the Holy Spirit is moving us as a body, as a people, not just into the heart of the Father. He's moving us into his passions. 
that there are certain passions in God's heart that he will not move nor budge on. He has a heart for a lot of things. He has a desire for, but there are certain passions that are at the forefront. And I believe he wants to infuse this body with those passions. I'm going to say it again. He wants to infuse this body with those passions. Not just the leaders, you. So my question this whole week, Father, what are your passions? What are you most passionate about? I know there's a lot of things you love, a lot of things in the word that we can just start. We can get a list of like a billion things and just start writing them all down. But I'm sitting before the Lord waiting for him to speak to me to tell me the passions of his heart. And so I really feel the Holy Spirit moving us in that direction. And one of the areas that he has been speaking to me about as far as the passions of his heart is this issue of oneness, of his body being one. Hello, we've been preaching that for the past year or so. And as he's been speaking to me about this, and this being a, one of the primary passions on his heart, I have felt the wind of the Holy Spirit in my sails personally. I feel extremely encouraged in the direction we're moving and where and what we've been preaching the past year or so about this oneness, oneness in the body. I was listening to Mike Bickle last night at IHOP KC. Um, he's, he's had several guys, they're there right now, they're having some extended services, but several ministers from several different streams coming together and talking about John 17 and the body being one and moving forward together. So the Lord is just not doing it here at Heart of the Father. I believe those who have an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying are going to catch hold of this and move into oneness. Everyone else is going to do their own thing, keep doing this, keep doing that. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to me so clearly, oneness. He's moving us in that direction. I would encourage you, Francis Chan just wrote a book called Until Unity, talking about this very issue. Go read it. Mike Bickle said for the next, I think, three years or so, two years or so, he's going to, or no, sorry, with the next year, I don't want to exaggerate. For the next year, he's going to be preaching on John 14 through 17, calling the body into a corporate oneness. And I'm looking, I'm just kind of tracing these things, and I'm thinking, Lord, we've been going after this for the past year or so. But as of last Sunday, I believe the Lord is now blessing this. He's blowing upon this. So I want to look at a couple passages here. I want to talk about, real quick, how serious the Father is about corporate oneness. Turn to Proverbs 6. You guys still with me? Tell you what, look at my notes here. You guys know Justin Thomas, right? I hope he's watching this live stream right now. He wrote in my notes here because my iPad was op opened up and he, he wrote this in here. I feel right now that I'm to declare Justin Thomas as a prophet of the Lord. <laughs> See, he might be a false prophet, guys. Okay, Proverbs 6, verse 16. 
These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination. A proud look, number one. A lying tongue, number two. Hands that shed innocent blood, number three. A heart that devises wicked plans, number four. Feet that are swift and running to evil, five. A false witness who speaks lies, six. Number seven. Number seven is the abomination to the Lord. One who sows discord among brethren. Six things the Lord hates. The seventh one is an abomination to him. A brother, a sister who is sowing discord among his people. Turn to Titus chapter 3. These three passages we're going to look at, these are probably the most severe verses the Lord puts out there as far as the oneness of his people. Titus 3, verse 9 through 11. But avoid, everyone say avoid, foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, what's this next phrase say? Have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Go to Galatians 5. I don't know if I've ever seen Titus 3 function in a church. Wait, you get two strikes? Are these the Lord's words? So if the elders do that, you guys can't be mad at us. Okay, Galatians 5, verse 19. We're familiar with this verse. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, th and things like these. Listen to this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wait, Paul, you have in that list those who will not inherit the kingdom, those who cause dissension, divisions, rivalries in there, enmity and strife. That's not a big deal, right? I mean, come on, Paul, like, Paul you're overstating your case right now. Really, I mean, I get sexual morality. I get, you know, 
idolatry. I mean, those are pretty bad. Like, okay, Paul, you're good. But he has in that list, if you've ever noticed, dissension, divisions, enmity, strife. A brother who sows discord. God's word says, if you're doing that, you will not inherit the kingdom. In other words, if you're going around doing that, you're not really saved. This is strong language. So my question is, why is the father so passionate about this? I mean, clearly he's not going to budge on this. He's not. He's saying if anyone is doing it in your midst, warn them once, warn them twice, get rid of them. In other words, he's like, I'm not budging. This isn't optional. This isn't like if you feel like it or if you want to. No, if you find a brother who's unwilling to repent for sowing division and discord and strife in the body, I need them out of the body. Would you guys, is that what you guys see? So the question is, why is he so passionate about it? What is it about the oneness of his body that he's not willing to budge on this? He's willing to take severe, swift action. Turn with me to John 17. Come on, turn there. Let me hear the pages flip. You guys tired of the word? We're just reading some scriptures here. I'm not even saying a whole lot here, okay? We're moving quickly. Are you there? John, or John 17. Jesus, verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. Go to verse 4. He says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, Glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Go to verse 20. And I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they also may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22. Focus in on verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I believe the reason the Father is so passionate about oneness in his body is because you're talking about his glory. And the reason he wants to deal with those who cause division in his body is because he's not going to allow you to frustrate his glory. He wants to release a corporate glory to one people. And if we're in there causing divisions and discord, you are frustrating the release of a corporate glory. And the glory which you gave me, Father, I've given to them. I've been looking at this verse this whole week and like, Lord, what does that even mean? I'm reading commentaries and th- to be honest, what their, their input, it's just kind of vague. Like I read it, I'm like, oh, that, I don't think that's it. What does this even mean? 
Jesus saying that, Father, you've given me glory and I've given it to them so that they might become entertained. No, so, so that they might have really fun meetings. No, so that they might become one. As Barry said, and, and Josh repeated it last week, the, the Trinity wants to release a corporate expression, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this body. We are to be a divine expression of that. Deuteronomy 6 says, verse 4, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So his glory is at stake. Those who cause divisions within his body are frustrating one of his highest passions and are hindering one of his eternal purposes. But when we decide to come together in oneness, the Father is, re- is willing to release a supply of his glory. His glory is his presence. It's the revelation of who he is. In other words, if we grab onto each other to become one people, the Lord is going to reveal more of who he is to us. And he's going to do it in a way, he's going to do it publicly. He, he, he loves to do it in the secret place, but he loves to release the revelation of who he is in a public manner. So now when I look at you, I just don't see you as brother or sister so-and-so. I need to look at you and see you as a carrier of the glory of God. That you are carrying a supply of the glory of God. When we gather together, there should be more of a full supply. Mike Bickle said this, the greatest corporate miracle in human history is the transformation of the end-time church from the majority walking in compromise to walking together as a mature family and as a prepared bride. The greatest corporate miracle in human history is the transformation of the end-time church from the majority walking in compromise to walking together as a mature family and as a prepared bride. That is what the Lord is going to do in our midst. I believe, I'm so confident, so sure, I can't budge on this because you see the strength of it in the word of God that one of the, fa- the passions on the Father's heart is a oneness in his people. And there are others, but I want to invite you into praying with us, us as a body seeking the Lord on this. If we want to give God what he wants, we need to know what he is most passionate about. I don't want to start, I don't want to give my life to these subcategories of like, yeah, that's really cool, that's really fun. I think God likes that. I hope he likes it. No, no, I want to give myself to what's primarily fueling his heart. And I have to seek him in his word. I have to seek him in prayer. So, Michaela, if you can come on up. We're going to turn this into just a little prayer meeting.
So what does this new beginning look like at Heart of the Father? It looks like the Holy Spirit taking us all and moving us all into the passions of the Father. And we need to seek the Lord. We're, we're going to pray. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to get comfy, come on up front. You can do that. We're going to take maybe the next 10 minutes or so, 8, 10 minutes, and just seek the Lord and pray and ask him, Lord, what does this new beginning look like at heart of the Father? What does a new beginning look like in my, even in my own life? Lord, what are the passions on your heart? And we're going to pray, and I'll come back up here. And if the Lord speaks to you and stirs your heart and you want to pray on the mic, I want to invite you and encourage you to do that. And we're asking God, we're seeking God about a new beginning as a body. So here we go.
minutes. continues to play. If you have a prayer you want to pray, I want you to begin to make your way forward. I will start us off. Let me remind you, we're here to pray, not preach. I need you to pray. Father, we come before you to corporately seek your face, to corporately pray and to humble ourselves and to come under your leadership. And Lord, we lay our agenda aside. Lord, we lay our desires aside. Lord, we lay our passions aside. And Lord, we just believe that you are doing a new thing at heart of the Father. Lord, that you are moving us into the passions of your heart. And so Lord, I just pray and ask that you would give us wisdom that you would give us understanding, Lord, that you would cause us to seek your face, Lord, that we would not be a people who just get lazy or lax or just complacent, as you said, as you have spoken to us by the Holy Spirit, that you're doing a new thing, that it will spring forth, that, that we should actually know about it, that you will make a road in the wilderness, you will make des rivers in the desert, oh Lord. So God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, God, that we would see, that we would know. God, give us understanding, Lord. We stand under you. We get under you, O oh Lord. We don't know which way we ought to go, but Lord, you know. So God, I pray that you would blow a fresh wind by the Holy Spirit. Blow in our sails. God, blow us in the right direction, Lord. Would you pick us up and place us where you want us to be, Lord? God, would you release an identity over Heart of the Father that is unique and, and special to this region. Lord, we don't want to be like other churches and other places. We want to be a place that you have called us to be, O oh Lord.